Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Fassett. On this episode, we get to meet Nandy Rose, otherwise known as Half Wave. Under the Half Wave name, Nandy has been putting out music for quite a few years now, including last year's smart, weird, brilliant pop album, The Caretaker. And coming up this summer in July, she has a new album coming out called Mythopoetics. In this chat, Nandy and I talk about her life during the past year or so under the COVID pandemic, including rediscovering her love of nature in her rural home in upstate New York. We talk quite a bit about her new songs, what was on her mind while she wrote them, as well as what it means to her to break down those barriers between performer, celebrity, artist, and audience. We discuss a little bit about the natural inclination to look for silver linings in times of great strife, as well as the really lovely feeling when you can allow yourself to be proud of yourself. So thank you for listening, and please enjoy. This is me meeting Half Wave. excited to talk to her because she's sort of elusive yeah <laughs> totally like i listened to her a bunch right when i was starting half wave um like mm. 10 years ago so she was like kind of an influence on me yeah and, and i was so um, excited she was like one of the first like people from connecticut that i n- knew who made music and i was like <laughs> oh there's like people from connecticut who make music and then i of course turned out there's like a whole bunch of people but yeah can I you know <laughs> Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. I don't know if anyone listens to this. Yeah, stuff. I wanted to like see what the format was like. And oh, it's pretty informal. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I don't need to be too nervous. No, no, no. Um, so okay, now that we're on the record, <laughs> here we are. Um, here we are in this moment. So it is since this won't come out for a few weeks. We should say it's early March right now. Yeah. Um, things are looking sort of up. Yes. I I am an English teacher, so I ha- I'm half vaccinated. That's amazing. Congrats. <laughs> it feels great. My arm hurt for 3 days, but yeah. it's And no, you're it's in worth it. you're in New York. I'm in Connecticut. You're in Connecticut. I'm in Central Connecticut. Not New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, I asked you are, my sister. You are in upstate New York. I'm right? in upstate New York. Okay. Yes. And my sister is a teacher in Massachusetts and Okay they're only just starting to vaccinate teachers there, which is insane because she's yeah. been in school teaching. And yeah, so me it too. Was, yeah it's yep. not a good situation to make our teachers go back to school and uh, not be vaccinated. So I'm really glad that you are and she is about yeah. you. And uh, my husband's getting vaccinated on Monday and mm. my mom just got vaccinated. Like it's happening. It is. We, really yeah. Cool. Teachers just started here March 1st. So we took a while as well for whatever reason i know and we and probably mass too are doing pretty well with vaccines so Mm -hmm. it's like i don't know i can't imagine being in some other state that it's like so behind schedule right because i'd be freaking out as a teacher because yeah we've been in the building almost the whole time this year wow well i'm so glad that you're yeah (laughs) so things are looking up um yeah how have how have things been with you you know what a question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a loaded question. 
It is. And it's, it's, I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot as we approach the, the one year anniversary mm. of when we went into, uh, this lockdown, this quarantine time, um, I actually bought a smudge stick and my plan is on the one year anniversary to go around the house and verify <laughs> it, be like, I don't, I can't go into another year, you know, mm. having the kind of darkness of the last year taking up all the corners of the house. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I'm doing well in this moment. I'm very happy to be talking to you, um, <laughs> seeing a, a new face, but it's just crazy to me how, you know, we're going to look back on, on this time as like COVID time, but actually it, it, for me, at least it encapsulated so many different periods and so many different feelings. I mean, there were, you know, phases where I was uh, totally unhealthy, you know, drinking too much on the couch, not doing anything very despairing. There were times where I felt completely energized and motivated and excited about, you know, new opportunities in my life and, and back and forth, really kind of oscillating between, um, you know, moments of, of hope and uh, moments of despair. So, yeah, it's like, it's really not this like blanket, you know, COVID time. It actually contains so many other little microclimates and like other little yeah. periods within it. Um, but I am feeling, I'm feeling hopeful and I'm really, really happy that spring is just around the corner and you can really feel it. It was like in the fifties today. Yeah. Yeah. It's so beautiful today. Yeah. And that, um, I mean, that's, I guess that's also been part of it is just that, you know, the seasons have, I've felt the weight of the seasons even, you know, more intensely this year, just being in one place, being able to um, admire and appreciate the change of seasons here in the Northeast, um, but also feeling the weight of winter in a way that I never had before. So I'm glad that we're coming out of that time (laughs) because it has been pretty intense the last few months. Yeah, I know. And winter is such a sort of like cloistered up season anyway, but we couldn't even go anywhere to be cloistered up with other people. (laughs) So it's like extra like enclosed and, you know, not really many friends you can see. You can't go to restaurants, you can't do anything. So yeah, this winter was especially wintry. (laughs) Um, And then last summer, I mean, we didn't get to do much of anything because that was the that was like the most intense time Mm -hmm. but there were still like you know at least there was going for hikes and picnics Mm. and and whatnot taking advantage of that and um I live yeah in a really rural area so there's a lot of great nature around here and and that's been the biggest gift for me of this time is um you know, I grew up in the Berkshires in Western Mass in a really small town surrounded by woods. And so I, I grew up feeling really connected to nature, um, spent a lot of time at my family's cabin in Maine, and then, uh, you know, eventually found my way to New York City. <laughs> so the opposite of that. Um, but returning to upstate and then being kind of forced to be home for the last year has really like allowed me to reconnect with my my other passion besides music which is nature and so I've been uh yeah I've been really like doubling down on that and and learning about about uh the environment and it's been great bird watching <laughs> yeah there's been an influx of bird of bird watching I'm, I'm not um, mad about it <laughs> no and that's kind of the thing too it's like for all the horrible shit that's come with this there is a silver lining if you want there to be one in that you know, it has given a lot of us more time to maybe dabble in other things that we wouldn't have normally thought we had time for, or, 
you know, like you're, like you're kind of saying, like revisit old things we used to really enjoy and then kind of lost sight of, and it has given us that allowance. I don't know that I'd say it's worth it, but right, right. But, but we it's have been there. It's been linings. right, and it's like, well, what are you? Yeah, what are you going to do if not? I mean, it's you right. said you had moments of hope and moments of despair, and those without those moments of hope, this year would have been so much worse. Right. So. Yeah. I think that's, um, that is like a human inclination, a good one that we, mm -hmm. we do find the silver linings and like really, really challenging circumstances because otherwise, like, how do we move through it? How do we move forward? Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I've been doing halfway for like 10 years now, <laughs> basically, which is crazy. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I feel like in order to get to have gotten to where I am now, I kind of had to be really narrow focused. Like you have to make music your entire life. And I have absolutely no regrets about that. Um, but I, I think this year has shown me like, okay, well, I can't tour. All my shows were canceled. You know, I put out a record at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, so that has, yeah, has been an unexpected gift to be like, oh, there's actually, there are other things that I love. And there are other parts of myself that, um, that I maybe didn't allow to grow prior to this. Yeah. And so, I mean, having that allowance, that time and that space, you know, it could be worse, I suppose, but, yeah. but I'm glad that you were able to sort of reconnect with some of the old passions, kind of dig them back up again. Cause yeah, it is easy to kind of get caught up in just the speed of everything and mm -hmm. the chaos yeah. of everything. And that's kind of for a lot of people, if they're fortunate enough, like I'm assuming you and I both are, that's kind of what this time has has given us at least is a space for slowing down. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you slow down, sometimes you find some nice things that you forgot were there. <laughs> yeah, I actually just wrote a, a new song called Slow Music. And it was about this idea of like reframing feeling stuck because I have been feeling really stuck in a lot of ways, um, just not knowing how to move forward and feeling like things are moving so slowly and I'm ready for things to move faster, but um, I have no control over it. And so if you change your perspective, everything around you becomes musical. It's just like mm -hmm. a really slow form of music. Like if you retrain the way that you listen to things, this is like very John Cageian, but um, you know, the, the wind like whistling through the trees is music. Your own breath is music. And so I think, yeah, I'm trying to kind of look at it differently. Like the slowness is actually giving me a new way of appreciating sound and appreciating my surroundings. Yeah. And you mentioned, so you mentioned that you have new music, um, sort of coming and that you've been working on stuff. Have you been kind of building that sort of new lens into your work? Have you noticed that impacting your work? So I really have not written much music <laughs> at all in the last year. That song I just oh, was like one of the only songs I feel like I've written. Oh. Um, like really, yeah, since since the beginning of the pandemic, I was writing a little bit more right at, right at the start, but um, I was thinking about, because I was wondering why, I've definitely had phases of productivity and phases of stagnation musically um, and as a songwriter, but I was like, why am I really not able to write music right now? And I think a big part of it is like, for me, and I know for a lot of artists, the the spark of inspiration comes from from travel and from new situations and new circumstances. And um, it gives you new perspectives on things when you're in motion and um, you're like experiencing new landscapes and new people. And so 
yeah, it's kind of hard to know what to write about when you're, <laughs> when you're stationary. I mean, I guess you could write about that, which is why I wrote the song slow music, but, um, there's only, only so much you can say about that when you're, when you're in the midst of something, um, as big as this pandemic, I also think it's really hard to find the words to explain it. So yeah, when you're saying like, how are you doing? It's, it's also <laughs> that it's like, well, I'm still in it. I don't have that sense of perspective and, and that, that sense of perspective often comes from us leaving our, our homes and, and right. going out into the rest of the world. And we're just not given that opportunity right now. So I'm trying not to put too much pressure on myself. Like I'm, I am actively putting out new music right now and I'm, I'm putting out a new record this year. So I, I have written a lot. It just, <laughs> it just hasn't happened so much um, in the last few months. So then most, if not all of that new record that's coming was written pre-pandemic, but was it finished already pre-pandemic? It was not. Yeah. Okay. So I was recording it. Um, yeah, I, I wrote the songs like actually when I was just finishing The Caretaker. So I hadn't even I hadn't even like finished um, mixing The Caretaker. We hadn't finished mixing it yet when I started writing um, the songs for Mythopoetics, um, my new record. And um it was real. It was such an unexpected outpouring. Like I, I wasn't trying to like immediately write another record. Um, but these songs just, you know, really came out at that time. And so, uh, I was in the studio working with my co-producer Zubin in uh, December and January and February, just really excited. Like things were moving and then March hit and, uh, we had to find a way to continue to work together. Um, while we were quarantined in our, our respective homes. Um, so we were doing it virtually, which I honestly really mourned for a while because we had such, um, I mean, being in the studio with a collaborator that you trust and love is just the best feeling. It's like, you know, going to a playground every day. And we had some amazing sessions for that record. Um, so it was really sad when I was like, oh, we can't, we can't do that anymore. And we're going to have to finish it in this kind of frustrating capacity where we're, you know, looking, looking at each other on our screens and we've got the lag time, the latency <laughs> of like trying to play things back. And, um, but we did find a way to do it. And I recorded my vocals here in, in my music room. And um, it's interesting now it's become this record. That's like, yeah, it was, the songs were written pre pandemic um, besides one of them, which was written the, the first week of the pandemic. But, um, but the recording process is like this patchwork of, of before and after. Yeah. So it's almost like this weird, like capsule of both ends of this, you know, time, like just before when none of us really saw it coming. And then like, kind of probably embedded in the recording in some subliminal ways is just after when like, everything hit. Totally. So yeah. It, it is in this like liminal space. <laughs> yeah. It is an interesting, yeah. Time capsule. Exactly. That's interesting. Cause most people that I've talked to for the show anyway, who had, cause a lot of people did shelf their records for a while to kind of hold off. Mm -hmm. um, but then a lot of people did put stuff out last over the last year. And a lot of them said, Oh, well it was done, you know, way before the pandemic. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of interesting. I don't, to have written one just before and then recording it kind of during is sort of interesting. Yeah. And I'm not really like, I understand why people held their records, um, kind of waiting for, you know, waiting to see what would happen with the industry and waiting for touring to come back. But, um, 
I don't know. I, I just, I get kind of impatient and there's already such a lag between when you write the songs and when the record's out. And so I'm, I'm, I think that this is going to be the second record that I'm putting out like during a pandemic, which is yeah. crazy. I mean, I hope by July, um, things are looking a lot different, but we don't know yet mm. what the, at least as of when we're recording this, we have no idea if touring is happening this year. So yeah, because even if, you know, most people get vaccinated, I don't know how, how rapidly the venues are going to reopen. And then maybe some areas of the world slash our country will reopen, whereas others won't. And yeah, I'm very curious to see how touring goes. So you had shows that got canceled because of it? Yeah, yeah. So um, I was supposed to do US and Europe dates Mm. uh, last year for the caretaker. And so, yeah, that's also funny because the caretaker dates... Oh. Can you hear that? It's the train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the train goes right through our yard. Um, <laughs> I love it when it does its horn. It's like saying hello. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so put out the caretaker. Had all the tour dates canceled, and now I'm putting out another record and and hopefully going to tour it. But it makes it so that the caretaker was this like strange record that like might mm. never. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll play songs from it live and shows in the future. But it, it's this. It's almost like the the forgotten child. <laughs> I know it's like such an such an accident. Like you could have never planned for that, obviously. But it's it's such a mis an unfortunate accident that it came out, and then you were about to tour it, and you mm-hmm. couldn't. And also, I mean, for whatever it's worth, it was kind of a a bit of a breakthrough album for you in terms of visibility. I felt like because it seemed like it got more coverage than a lot of your past stuff. You had a lot of singles from it. Um, I was seeing it around, um, you know, come year's end. So it seemed like quite a bit of attention was placed on it. And then you couldn't even tour it. And how nice that would have been to be able to get these songs out in the world. But like you said, I'm sure you'll find a way to integrate them into the tour of the new album. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and certainly that was um, a big sadness was just like wanting to experience the record with other people. You know, when you spend so much time and that record in particular was something I, I wrote um, and worked on alone for a while before I brought in collaborators. Um, I was I put so much of myself into it and I think I really was looking for that um, that connection and just to be able to share it with people like in uh, in real time and, and didn't really get to experience that. But I'm glad that people have found it, you know, regardless, I'm, I'm glad that it has made it into people's ears and I always... I'm really appreciative when I, you know, get notes from people um, <laughs> like, oh, they are listening. And <laughs> yeah, you never well, know. That's, that's the thing. You never, you never know, especially <laughs> probably now when record sales are so weird. Like, you know, you don't like in the past, you could be like, oh, my album's at number three on the charts. And so obviously people are buying it. But now it's like, I guess it's, it's like an, it's like a void. You just release it and you just kind of like it. hope. And you have you to let hope. go. And, and that's also something I'm grappling with a lot or, or, or just kind of, um, trying to get better at is is like being letting the work kind of stand for itself and being um having a little bit more confidence in myself just like this is the thing that I created and I made it for a reason and it's a statement of who I was then it doesn't have to stand for who I am now and um yeah and to always just kind of keep creating and not like hang my hat on any one thing yeah and the caretaker seemingly and i don't know how different this is from your the rest of your work but it seemed like quite a personal record as you kind of just you know um hinted at um but are you someone who does that make it hard for you then to play the songs live or are you 
pretty good at like divorcing yourself from that so you can perform? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think where I land on that is like, um, well, I have really bad stage fright. I, I get like, <laughs> I get nervous a lot. Um, I'm nervous right now. <laughs> oh, I, I am the, sh I'm super shy. Don't worry. We're yeah. in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. I have all introvert. these guitars behind me. I have never, I've never played a show because <laughs> I'm like, I can't, it's, I'm so scared. It's hard. Um, but I think the way that I've kind of, it's a workaround for me is that the only thing I know how to be is myself mm. and it's actually more nerve wracking to try to play a part or like to withhold parts of myself or to try to craft my image in a certain way. That's just like, that seems scarier to me and something like I don't know how to do. So instead it's like, I think that's why I write such personal music and I am a very earnest person is like, that's, that's the only thing I really know how to do. And it makes me feel a little bit less nervous. Just be like, I'm not trying to control this thing. It's like, I'm just, I'm just being myself and I'm offering up the, you know, the stories of my life. Um, and it's also just the, the quickest way to connect with someone is just that, you know, brutal honesty and vulnerability and, um, as scary as that can be in its own right. I think there's, there's a lot of like really fertile ground there. So, yeah, so I, I don't, I don't mind playing such personal stuff in front of people. I think that's like where I've had some of the most joyful and greatest experiences has been connecting with people around those like pretty, uh, pretty personal and um, yeah. And deep stories. Yeah. I feel like I notice quite a few of them off the caretaker too. I mean, I, my mind immediately goes to in August, which is very plainly sort of quite, quite a sad song. But to me, it sounds like it's about sort of the dissolution of a friendship of some kind. I don't know if that's what it's about, but that's what it sounds like to me. Completely what it's about. And, and it's so, like you say, it's so earnest in a way. And I think that's a really good word for it because it's not like you say you're not playing a part. It, your words don't have that like word play, like guise of like literary writing. Like you're just kind of laying it out there. And I don't know, I, I could see myself having trouble performing something so um, honest, so personal, so honestly personal. So, I mean, kudos, kudos to anyone, including you, who can get up on a stage and do that. But I, I get I get what you mean. I mean, people always, I feel like people often go one way or the other. It's like you go on stage and you are sort of a version of yourself because it's like a protective layer or you need to just be fully yourself, like present in the moment. Totally. And I've seen it work both ways. Like I've mm -hmm. toured with people um, I toured with someone who like literally was like, don't tell them about yourself. They don't want to know about you. Just like go out and play your songs. And it really worked for them. And like, that was great. But I was like, that's not, that's not who I am. And that's not what I'm going to do. Um, so you kind of mm -hmm. just got to find what works for you. It's kind of like when you go to a show of someone you really like, or maybe even idolize, and they say nothing the whole time to the crowd. And it's like, all right, well, the show is good, but I would have... <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. There's that, there's like that remove that happens when that happens. And I get why people do it, but I've been to so many shows of people I love who don't even really say hello. They barely say thank you. And it's not even probably out of rudeness. It's just out of that sort of like, I'm here to perform right? and I need to do that. And that's all I'm going to do. And I, I get it, but there is a niceness, I think, to when that, um, that layer is kind of removed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Kind of brings us into the you know, into the fold essentially. Yeah. yeah and, it, and I'm really interested in like removing the boundary between 
performer and listener. Like we are such a like celebrity driven culture and all about like, yeah, idolizing, putting people on pedestals. And I, I like, I get where that inclination comes from, but it's, I think it's really dangerous um, mm -hmm. and, and really detrimental um, in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, I, I started at Patreon this year, um, which I was really nervous to do um, just cause I didn't want it to come off. Like I was trying to like, you know, sell myself, like sign up for my Patreon and I'll give you my diary entries. Yeah. <laughs> but it's actually been the total opposite. I have like a really wonderful community of people there. And um, we did a, a zoom live stream a couple weeks ago and I got Aww. to just like chat with everyone and learn about them. I mean, people are so yeah. interesting. People are doing really fascinating things and uh, it felt really nice to be able to like actually hang out and talk. Yeah. And that's kind of a little silver lining of this whole thing too, is like when you play a real show, I mean, you might get a 20 people responding to your question, but you're not going to get like, oh, so what do you do? Like, you're not going to get that connection. Right. And maybe it's for the best in some scenarios, mm -hmm. but I mean, the fact that you were able to do a Zoom show and it wasn't even like weird that Halfwave is doing a Zoom show because it's so normal now. Yeah. You get to sort of connect with these people. I think that's actually really nice. Yeah, it was really cool. I, and Patreon yeah. has been such a godsend, honestly. I think Patreon is such a cool avenue forward for so many independent artists. I totally I agree. It's it's honestly made me a more creative person. Like mm. it hasn't felt stifling to my creativity or I feel like corralled into like having to perform for this audience. Like it's it's been really encouraging because I can I can kind of explore like all facets of of my creativity, you know, on this platform. Like I'm not just sharing songs, I'm sharing poems and essays and just like random musings and um, and that's been really nice. It's like very encouraging to like explore the full range of yourself. You've got a dog there? I do have a dog. <laughs> oh, I've got a train, home. you've got a dog. I know, my boyfriend's home, that's why she's barking. Oh. <laughs> um, although I don't know why she's barking. She's usually happy about it. Um, anyway, uh, but yes, um, I think Patreon is really nice because it, yeah, like you say, it gives you that community because no one no one is going to contribute to the, to someone's Patreon who doesn't support them like mentally too. Mm -hmm. And so if you get that, I mean, I would be shocked if people don't get that one or two like jerks who are like, where is my fucking like exclusive single? Like, you know, <laughs> they need it. But mostly I think people are like, wow, that's actually really cool that I can chip in two bucks a month and we get access to you and you get access to us and we can talk about stuff and, you can continue making the stuff, which is why we're even we're even here in the first place. And I don't know, it's it. There's something really, really nice about it that stuff like Kickstarter never had. Mm -hmm. You know, there's such a personal quality to it. Right, and those Kickstarters, you know, that like I did an Indiegogo um, for mm -hmm. like my first full length way back in the day, and and it was great. Um, but those are like so finite. It's like this amount of time, this amount of money, and then it's done. Whereas mm -hmm. Patreon, it's like all about building and growth. Um, yeah, building something together with, you know, with the patrons. So, yeah, I know that that sense of community, especially not that it is from this time. I mean, it, pre it predates COVID, but especially now, yes. Patreon communities have I've noticed people be very thankful for them. Mm -hmm. So that's really nice. Um, so we mentioned you have new music coming, but you actually did put out two singles already this year, mm -hmm. um, Orange Blossoms and Party's Over. Is it The Party's Over? Just Party's Over. Just Party's Over. That's what I had in my notes <laughs> and I'm like second guessing myself now. Um, so 
basically, I just want to know what are these songs about for you and why pair them as opposed to kind of delaying the release? Mm -hmm. So, um, right. So when this is out, we have announced a new record. Yes. Um, People know about it. If they don't, that's their fault. (laughs) So, and so there's actually another single that came out in March, um, called take away the ache. Um, but it was not a part of the seven inch. It was kind Mm -hmm. of a standalone single. I mean, the thinking behind this record, it was, it's very much another, you know, COVID record. And that when we were coming up with the, the campaign for how to release the music, we wanted to try something a little different. I mean, why not? This is a time to try new things and not necessarily just do the same like album announced, you know, two singles and the album's out kind of thing, which I've done a lot in the past. So we were excited about the idea of, um, of releasing like a bunch more singles and, mm-hmm. and kind of building it up, you know, building up the intrigue a little bit more slowly and, letting the songs the, the the initial singles kind of breathe on their own before revealing that they're actually a part of this bigger world of the record. Um, I was really clear that I wanted Orange Blossoms to be the first one. That song for me, I, I think it's, I think it's one of my favorite songs I've ever written. Um, Isn't that such a nice feeling? By it's the a way? nice feeling. Part of me feels shy saying that, but it's like it's it's totally fine if people disagree. It's like that's just such a personal feeling of like I've been writing music, I've been writing songs for a long time, and this is one where I felt like I I did something a little different that I was excited about. I mean, structurally, mm-hmm. it's got three different sections. It's um in that way, it's through composed, which I'm always really interested in writing. I think it's hard to write a through composed song because, you know, we've been trained and programmed to write, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, whatever. Um, and so what it says to me is like, I wasn't, I didn't set out to write a through composed song. Um, it just came out really naturally. It was just like a, a very, um, organic expression. And those are always my favorite songs, you know, where I haven't, I almost feel like I didn't have too much of a hand in writing it. It just, um, it needed to be written, in that way. Um, but yeah, I wrote it at a time when I was, I was kind of taking care of someone really close to me who was, uh, going through, um, he was going through an addiction uh, that he was overcoming, but he was at a really kind of low point, um, and needed a lot from me, um, as a member of my family. And, you know, I, I wanted to be there with him kind of helping him through this, but it's so, so painful and so hard not to kind of take on all of that. I mean, even just talking about it, I'm like, I can feel my body kind of like tensing up because, um, it's hard not to have that transference of emotional weight. Um, so I was feeling it really acutely. Um, and honestly, like really struggling under the weight of it because it's really, really hard to watch someone that you love struggle and, and to know that you can only help so much. I mean, that's, that's the thing is like, we can't, we can't do things for each other. We can support each other through the hard times, but, um, but it was really hard to just to, to kind of bear witness to that. Um, so taking on all of that feeling, that's like where the the song came from. Just like somebody do this for me, somebody buy me roses, somebody check my email, just this like litany of like desperate, please. Like, can somebody just do this for me because I don't have the energy or, 
um, the capacity to do it for myself. But but again, it's it's also recognizing that fallacy of like no one's going to do it for for you. You know, you've you've really yeah. got to um, got to do it for yourself. So yeah, so I, I guess that song and, and a lot of the songs on the record are sort of this mirror image of um, watching someone go through a struggle and then recognizing that like I I was going through you know, if not the same thing, at least an echo of it just by bearing witness and by, um, you know, by, by being in proximity to it. And with the idea of it being a family member, there is the sense of like family legacy and, um, you know, patterns that are, are passed on between generations. And so I was really aware of that. Like, is this something that I'm also susceptible to? Um, so, I wanted to share that as the first song because it it felt just like a really raw and true offering and and a song that I was proud of. Um, but then I wanted to follow it up with something a little <laughs> less heavy, <laughs> um, something you know a little more danceable. And so that's why "Party's Over" came out second. Um, it's not that it's like a, a totally light song. I mean, there's also some some heavier themes of um, you know dealing with with uh, feelings of not belonging. And, and, um, that's something that I'm sure, I'm sure everyone has dealt with feelings of not belonging. Like talk about a a really human, Mm. um, human idea. We all want to belong so badly. And there are so many ways in which we feel like we don't. And for me, that's always manifested or it's manifested, you know, more recently as, um, as I look at like my identity, um, and my background, just like I'm, I'm half Indian and, um, just like the idea of being half, I mean, it's in my band name. Um, the idea of being <laughs> half is like not necessarily knowing where you fit. Yeah. Um, and then musically too, that's like been a, a tough thing for me to navigate over the years. I think it's just like not really knowing where the music fits stylistically and like, what does it sound like and you know which bands to play with and and all of that um so i channeled that idea into this song of like being outside the party and like Hmm. oh you weren't invited like of course i wasn't (laughs) invited like yet again but walking away from this party knowing that you weren't invited and just like with every step gaining a strength of like i am going on my own path and i um i don't even want to go to that party like that party's lame (laughs) like they didn't invite you so why would you want to be there anyway exactly (laughs) and so it kind of becomes a more celebratory song um starting from from a a place of real um feeling small and feeling sad but um letting that blossom into something much more powerful yeah i love that though because it's like taking that moment where you feel low and being like, well, wait a second, I don't have to feel like this. Like I can turn this around and and own this moment as opposed to having it own me. Exactly. I'm really (laughs) interested in, um, you know, song as, as alchemy and song as transformation. And in fact, the, the record, I think a big theme of the record is transformation. Just like, how do we take these, um, these feelings and, um, and these, you know, potentially destructive family legacies and stories and uh and transform them into something that we can uh that we can live with that we can learn from that we can grow from that we can celebrate yeah and that's i mean it's it's a a weighty and powerful thing to try to get into a three-minute 
song and yet here we are <laughs> it has been done <laughs> yes that is that is always the challenge right. <laughs> how do you put it in a, into a pop song right and speaking of i, I was going to ask because you mentioned um like feeling sort of an awkward fit with certain sort of realms of music and i feel like your work is usually classified as pop or synth pop or electronic and are those genre labels things that you're comfortable with or do you still feel like you exist kind of like in between them yeah i mean i love pop music i think that i i have always really wanted to write like a certain kind of <laughs> pop music and this record i think is my poppiest this new mm. album um i think i kind of pushed that as far as i feel comfortable going um so you know i'm not uncomfortable with those genre labels but but i sometimes feel like you know it's just not quite that it's like it's a i think the music is a lot of different things and and i am i'm I'm proud of that. Like, I'm, I'm happy that there are a lot of different influences, but it, it can be hard when, yeah, when like you feel like, you know, too, too weird for the pop kids and like not weird enough for the weird kids. And you're like, okay, which table do I sit at? Seriously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It reminds me a lot of, I was talking with um, Zola Jesus for the show recently and she was talking about her album Tygo, which is like her big pop album and she was like feeling this weird like disconnect between her roots where she started making music and then she wanted to make a pop album but she like didn't feel like it fit in with the pop crowd and, and it like you know it's like that weird in between where it's like I don't know we, we have this urgency to label things mm -hmm. yeah. everything um music especially I mean seriously we come up with these weird genre titles, genre <laughs> names that really mean nothing. And it's just like, why can't we just let it exist, you know? True. And also we only, like, I think we only have so much control over it. Like I'm saying like, this is my poppiest record. And like, I bet there are people who would listen to this and be like, that's not pop at all. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, um, yeah, you kind of, you kind of can only write the music that you write and like be, be proud of it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm on like a long journey of, of trying to just, you know, be proud of myself. That's not something that comes easily. <laughs> no, to it's hard. It's hard. And I mean, I, I also, I mean, I'm also a songwriter and I have a lot of trouble with that. Like a lot of trouble being like what I made is good because there's a, obviously we're our own worst critics, but also it's sort of like that fear of like, you don't want to be arrogant and you don't want to seem arrogant. Right. And, and I don't think you're coming off arrogant at all by saying you're proud of the record and saying that, you know, Orange Blossoms is your is one of your favorite songs you've ever written because there's a difference between arrogance and like being proud of yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's such a nice feeling when you make something and you listen back and you're like, wow, that's good. And you're like, I like this. Like, that's so a, it's much. such a rare feeling. Yeah, I agree. And and you put so much into it. It's like, kind of does it a disservice not to like, take a beat and be like, okay, you know, I, I'm proud of that thing that I like spent a long, a long time on. Um, yeah. I think, in, you know, in the past, I'm, I've just been very quick to kind of dismiss my own work and try to move on immediately and like distance myself from it. And, um, I think that led to a lot of really unhealthy patterns in my life. And I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to learn from that and grow and, and be like, yeah, I can be proud of something that I made. It's okay for me to say that. Yeah. I think that's part of the hurdle is like, we're afraid that that's a bad thing for some reason that we'd be proud of our own work. I don't know how we all came to the same <laughs> conclusion, but yeah, it's, 
you know, letting those, those barriers down within yourself, mm-hmm. I guess, to kind of allow that pride without, yeah, without being arrogant. Cause it's, again, it, it's not the same thing. Right. And it's also, I also feel like it's a sort of insulation against the rest of the world having an opinion on what you do, because that is just the nature of this work is like, I'm mm-hmm. fairing it. So everyone, you know, or anyone who listens will have an opinion on it. And, um, I feel like I, you know, I do seek that validation and that's also a part of myself that I'm working on. Um, but I think that is partially why I got into this line of work, you know, just even stuff from childhood, like seeking that validation. Um, but, but recognizing that, like that, that really only means so much and it only matters so much. And the, the ultimate, um, ultimately like the feeling I want to be left with is like, okay, I, I have grown as an artist, like I'm learning and I'm trying new things and I'm pushing myself and, um, and that was really hard and I'm glad that I did it. And so by saying like, I'm proud of, of the work, um, it's sort of saying to myself, then it doesn't matter what people think about it. Right. Yeah. Cause music and art making in general is such a, it's like one of the only lines of work where it almost lives and dies on critique. You know, it's like everything you make, everything you release is critiqued one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and that can be really crushing if it's negative and you're sensitive to it, which I think everyone is to a degree. I mean, how can you not be a little bit? <laughs> um, but if you are proud and feel like what, you, like you made what you set out to do, then yeah, it's kind of, like you say, it's kind of, it must be some sort of defense against that. Like, mm-hmm. so you won't get so damaged by any sort of negative press or anything you don't agree with yeah. because you've already gotten there yourself. So who cares yeah, about you, the rest you, of them? Yeah. You've already gotten something out of it. Like there's, yeah. sorry, hit my microphone. There's, um, there's already been its own, it's already a, its own reward. Um, yeah. You're not like seeking anything extra. It's like, I already yeah. got something out of that. And and for me making this new record, um, I, I worked really closely with my friend Zubin. Um, we've collaborated on and off over the years. He um, worked on my record, Probable Depths, which was in like 2015 or something. And, mm-hmm. uh, and played in the band really early on and played on the tiny desk. Um, so he's been, he's been around, but we came together, we came back together for this record and we had both grown and learned so much since our last collaboration. Like we'd really honed our skills that we came back together and we're like, Whoa, we're like so much (laughs) better at collaborating now. Like it was always good, but like it was magical. Um, working together. And I think that's also why I can say, like, I feel really proud of this music because it feels like it's so much Zubin too, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that like, I, yeah, I'm really grateful for like this, this process was just the two of us. We, we played everything on the record. We didn't bring anyone else in. He mixed it. Um, so it was like a real testament to like our friendship, this album actually. Well, that's, that's nice though. It's like a, it's like a relic now. It's like a artifact, you know, speaking to this collaboration that, that you, and I'm guessing he he also put a lot of value on and now you have this actual artifact of it. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, so the orange blossom and orange blossoms and parties over both got music videos. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but they seem closely related the videos. I'm um, so happy you said that. 
why is that is that are people missing that i feel like in my memory i remember thinking they're quite related okay good um, um so but my, my question yeah is like how did they come to be and how do you end up sort of conceptualizing videos as an extension of the music yeah so by this point in april there have been four videos oh yeah, okay yeah the connected. four videos yeah <laughs> and they're all connected so i'm cool. i'm pretty pleased about that that's like never done that before. And so the videos are done with my other closest collaborator, Kenna Hines. Um, she and I have made a bunch of videos together and, and it's also just pure magic working with her. She's a really mm. dear friend and we have a lot of fun, um, you know, sharing a bottle of wine and scheming <laughs> on what we want these videos to be. So we started planning the videos for this album, like a long time ago. I mean, I feel like it was last, it was like over a year ago, actually, we, we met up and I was working on the record and I was like, I really, I have an idea. Like there's going to be motorcycles. She's like, okay, I don't know how we're going to do that, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. It's um, very girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. I'm gonna... <laughs> yeah um, that's also, yeah, it's just so fun with videos. Like I love playing a cooler version of myself. Uh, <laughs> so that's why, yeah, it's been, I mean, a lot of the videos that I've done are pretty fantastical and like playing, you know, these characters um i love fantasy uh i'm a really big lord of the rings person a huge fan so orange blossoms was like definitely a nod to that world like kind of playing an elf character um and then parties over getting to be you know this kind of badass motorcycle riding a woman and uh and then swimmer getting to be uh, a bit of a warrior and uh yeah i just i love the ability to create these visual worlds that expand the edges of the record like working on an album i'm just so focused on the music but then once that all starts coming together you start seeing beyond the music like over the you know over the hill you see this whole other world that's possible and so yeah we had a lot of fun putting these concepts together and really wanted it to be this kind of fun goose chase between videos where you know, maybe I'm just not sure people necessarily put it together that there's a through line, but I think by the time you see, I hope that by the time you see the fourth video, you can start to see how all four videos connect. Are there going to be more? Is there one for each song on the album? I would love that. <laughs> I don't think we have the budget for it. <laughs> I know. I don't know how people do that. <laughs> I know. Seriously. Um, we've done what we could um, for those right. four videos, but, but yeah, I mean, it's not out of the question. <laughs> yeah maybe down the line maybe down the line yeah are you are have you always been are, are you someone who likes music videos like did you grow up like really enjoying music videos or yeah I mean I think I just love the like fantasy of it I mean as I mm. said I'm just I love I love fantasy as a genre and just um I think when I write I think pretty visually when I'm writing music, like even if I don't have a specific scene in mind until it's time to conceive of the videos, it just, they feel like miniatures, you know, they feel like miniature, uh, like scenes in, in a, in a movie or, um, or a film or a book. Um, so I've always been interested in, in, in expanding the, the musical medium, you know, beyond itself and, um, and incorporating the visual world. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's been kind of a, a lifelong interest, but it's really come to life in the last year or so, uh, working with mm. Anna and, uh, yeah. And getting to like ping pong ideas off of each other. We, we write all the videos together and 
Um, and that's just like a very joyful process to imagine and, and to not put too many limits on ourselves. Like again, like mm. when I had the idea of the motorcycles and I came to her with that, like she wasn't like, how are we going to do that? It was just like, okay, well, how are we going to do that? And we are <laughs> going to do it, you know? Yeah. She's like, when? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and also, you know, music video, I mean, I'm, I, I actually have no idea how old you are, but I am almost 28 and I am, I feel like I'm like the last generation who like grew up like with videos, you know, like I, I, very distinctly remember blocks of music videos on TV and definitely just sitting down and watching them. Even if I had no idea who the bands were, I'd like, yeah. maybe I'd leave for five minutes and come back. Like there were so just constant music videos and that's so over now. Totally. And it, used, it used to be that, like you say, that fantasy of the video, but almost like the fantasy of the musician themselves, like getting to make a video was like <laughs> the thing, you know, that was like the, that was like the fun end goal like oh we made a video it's real now and right. now it's like i don't know i mean there are there are modern day videos that are kind of modern classics i mean like i don't know i think of like this is america is sort of oh yeah definitely. like that but like that kind of thing is so rare these days the one so there are actually two music videos that i think about when i think of like the first music videos i saw actually three one was <laughs> yellow Coldplay. Coldplay. <laughs> I think it was. Is that when he's just walking on the yes, beach? I think it's okay. when I realized that I was a sexual being because I saw Chris Martin walking on a beach and I felt something I'd never felt before. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So that's <laughs> my mind. I mean, I must have been what, like, I don't know, nine. Um, yeah. But that was that was a pretty big moment. And then also mm -hmm. the Alanis Morissette video for Ironic when she's in the car. four different characters in the car. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah, that's a good video. That's and both amazing. both of these are actually quite simple too. You're right. Really simple. But that's but, sometimes those are the best ones. Well, and that's why with the Party's Over video, that's actually the simplest video that I've made. And I was really nervous about it at first because it's like me walking down the street singing. I was like, how many times has this been done before? Like yeah. this isn't, you know, this isn't unique. Um, it's not interesting. But I think there's something to be said for like stripping away all the like artifice and um and just being really direct and mm -hmm. uh and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before like letting people see you singing you yeah. know, in a video which like i i don't do a lot of that but i think there was i don't think a lot of people do anymore a lot yeah. so much of it is with actors or dancers or right. which is fine but yeah it, it does there is something nice about kind of a classic about a video where you see the person singing the song that you're listening to yeah, and just experience that moment with them and it's still artful because it, it is still a, a visual representation it's obviously it's a visual medium and it sometimes you just don't need all the I don't know gimmickry trickery like I don't yeah. know yeah I mean I think you're making me think of like remember Duffy oh yeah the British singer uh -huh. and she has that video Warwick Avenue where she's just sitting say, in the back seat of the car and the yeah. entire video is just her face and she starts crying it's very Sinead O'Connor but like those kinds of videos, I feel like that's not really made anymore. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then like the Bjork video, All is Full of Love is a great music video. Very simple. Obviously it's all CG, but it's very simple. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say, uh, do you know Skull Crusher? I've never listened to them, yeah. but the, the beats per minute slack is all lit up about them yeah. right now. <laughs> put out a video um, of uh, of her singing 
the song in a car it's like in black and white and the someone's outside like showering water on the car so it's just like it looks like rain just coming onto the car oh, okay. like and it was just so beautiful and i was like that's a great video yeah minim i'm such a minimalist sometimes simplicity is yeah the best way to do a video so um I, yeah there's also something about like embracing that and not like shying away from it and um not being afraid to be simple if it's, yeah. if it's effective and if it's real then that can be yeah that can be all you need which is true of music too i mean right. you know not every song needs every bell and whistle in, in your toolkit you know sometimes the direct ones are yes are just as strong as the indirect ones and i mean even on your last record on, on the caretaker you had quite a mix of the kind of buoyant like very full songs like um ordinary talk which it still gets stuck in my head like oh. every five minutes <laughs> you cry um, but then, a lot? <laughs> what'd you say you do i cry in my coffee? coffee no no i'm not quite there um <laughs> and then you have a lot of piano ballads on the record too so it's like that mix you know it's like not everything needs all the layers and all the dressing right right i definitely was aware of like wanting to give the ear a little bit of a break <laughs> and it's something i'm learning i think over the last many records, I'm trying to get a little bit more, um, be more conscious about the layers and not just like do it because it's fun to add a right. lot of shit to the songs, but like do it for a reason, make sure like every sound is actually occupying um, a very specific role. Mm -hmm. And um, and then, yeah, being, being kind to your listeners. That's something <laughs> I'm also trying to do is like, you know, you want to challenge them. You want to challenge yourself. Um, you know, to kind of create more intricate arrangements, but then it's nice to just be like, here's a piano ballad and like, let's yeah. just feel this together. Take a breath. <laughs> Take a breath. Um, so since this has been such a strange time in our lives, um, and I started this podcast in the midst of the pandemic. So I've been asking um, what people have been kind of going to in this time media wise. So like, what have you been reading or watching or listening to or what what have you um, recently or in general over the past year? Like, has anything, have you found anything you really like? Has anything given you a sense of comfort or ease or something? That's a great question. <laughs> um, I haven't really been listening to much music. Um, so if you have recommendations, please let me know because I am looking for some new music. Um, Send you a message. <laughs> yes, I mean, um, please. But I have been listening to a lot of podcasts. I've like mm. definitely gotten really into podcasts this year. Um, I think it's just the like uh, the feeling of wanting to be learning something if everything else feels kind of stuck and slow, and um, and having our industry be on this indefinite pause. Um, I've been, as I said, like reconnecting with nature and like wanting to learn some more hands-on skills. So I've been, um, I've been working with an herbalist uh, apprenticing with an herbalist and, and learning about plant medicine. And so I've been like really into listening to herbal podcasts. Um, and there's this, this great podcast called sustainable world radio, which, um, deals with all sorts of topics on sustainability um, and the environment. So I've been really enjoying that. I'm going to just listen to one that was about natural dyeing, which is something I'm, I'm trying to get into also so mm. dyeing clothes with plants um, and natural materials. And um, I'm determined to have my first garden this year. So <laughs> yeah. So lis listening to whatever I can, that's going to um, 
uh, heal me and give me some new skills. Yeah. Well, now is the time too. I mean, why not? <laughs> um, not an educational podcast, but the only, I'm, I'm not a huge podcast person, even though I want to be, but the only like new podcast that I, or new to me podcast that I picked up was um, a fictional podcast, which I think are really interesting and kind of like a callback to like, you know, like the days of radio or like radio plays were a thing. And it's yeah. like telling a story with just audio. Um, but there's this one called Earthbreak, which um, is like a sci-fi post-apocalyptic story that Jenny Slate narrates. Oh, cool. And I've not heard that. I love her and I think she's great. And she's the only character. She's the only voice in the whole thing as far as I know. Um, and it's just, it's really interesting and weird and fun. And she's, cool. it's a great piece of acting, even though it feels weird, but it is, I don't know. It's a cool podcast. <laughs> Very cool. Um so thank you very much for talking with me today, Nandy. So <laughs> I really appreciate it. I, um, you know, I don't usually just slide into people's DMs and ask them to come on my show. I'm but, but like, honestly, most people on Twitter don't have their DMs open. And I was like, hmm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just send her a message and see what she says. Yeah, well, um, again, it's, it's just really nice to connect with people. And um, well, I'm glad you think so, because, to- yeah flat into my dms like <laughs> hearing from people and connecting and just be nice to me <laughs> oh i'd be remiss if i didn't ask because um yeah. more than one beats per minute writer wanted me to ask this very silly question okay. um if you are half wave where is the other half of the wave <laughs> i'm trying to find the other half okay That's- that's as good an answer as any. <laughs> That's why I write music. It's like the other half is somewhere in there. And so are are you the waif? Are you half of the waif? I'm, a, I'm a, one half of a waif. Okay, okay. Um, That's all. That, okay, fine. They'll, the they'll other be, they'll, half is out there, though. Yeah, well, you'll find it. Yeah, I'll, I'll check back <laughs> in. Yeah, let, let us know because they are, they need to know. <laughs> need to know. <laughs> I'm sure you also need to know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I look forward to hearing this new record, um, which you said will be out in July. Yep. Okay. So we look forward to that. It is April. It is. So people know about it and they are excited. And um, (laughs) hopefully we uh, we get a nice uh, get a nice summer summer surprise from you. (laughs) So that's very nice. All right. Thank you very much for talking with me. Thank you, Jeremy. Great to talk to you.